I'm Michael Ashcroft, the founder of Lord Ashcroft Polls, and this is the Ashcroft in America podcast. America is preparing to vote in a crucial set of midterm elections that could shift the balance of power in Washington. Once again, the Lord Ashcroft Polls team is traveling the country to hear what voters are thinking with their own words. This week, two states where the Republicans are defending seats they'll need to hold if they are to keep control of Congress. Iowa, whose caucuses also provide the very first test for aspiring presidential candidates, and a district in Minnesota, whose suburban voters will provide a crucial litmus test of opinion in these elections. We're here to find out how the voters see the decision before them. Hello, I'm Kevin Colwick, the director of Lord Ashcroft Polls, here on the Midwestern leg of our focus group tour with Elise Jordan. Last week, we heard from voters in New Hampshire and New Jersey as they thought about the decision that they have to make in the midterm elections and thought about the longer term future for the two main parties. Our first stop this week was in Cedar Rapids in Iowa's first congressional district, which is currently held by the Republicans and which voted for Donald Trump two years ago, but is now widely considered to be leaning to the Democrats. We then headed up to the second congressional district of Minnesota in the Minneapolis suburbs, a long-standing Republican seat which has been closely divided in recent elections and is also high on the Democrats' target list. We'll hear from voters who will be crucial in the outcome next month. In Iowa, people who voted for President Obama in 2012 and switched to Trump in 2016, and then we'll hear from Democratic caucus goers who have a big influence over the identity of their party's next presidential nominee. In Minnesota, we'll talk to voters who backed the GOP in the 2016 congressional elections, but didn't ultimately back Donald Trump, and women who lean Republican but have no love for Trump. Let's hear what they had to say. Two main stories had caught our participants' attention in recent days. The death of the journalist Jamal Khashoggi in a Saudi consulate and the migrant caravan en route from Honduras. How they saw each of these events and the president's response to them depended on where they sat. Well, they, they admitted that well, he uh, died he's in there, just yeah. not how he died. Right. Oh, it was a struggle, and I accidentally strangled him to death. Still no body. But we don't have a body. Right. Yeah. From what I understand, there wouldn't be a body left. What do you think the U.S. response ought to be? That ought to be severe. It ought to be sanctions. It ought to be, you know... You know, it's, it's re- while, while he was technically... A not a citizen. He was a resident, and he was essentially one of us. He was a you know, was he's a, a reporter, Post reporter, a exactly. A journalist. Yeah. I mean, freedom of speech is the first thing that you know we should be protecting. The Saudi Arabia one is amusing. So sorry, it's the Saudi Arabia. And what do you make of that? Uh, they're lying through their teeth, <laughs> and then he's backing them up. What's he saying at the moment? Uh, the latest one was it sounded fishy, but before that, he truly believed them because they said they didn't do it. Obviously. If I said I didn't do it, that means I didn't do it. You know, there's a history there and relationships there. You know, all the gun trafficking and all the you know, or, uh, arms sales that we do with mm-hmm. them. Obviously, there is something that's been put into place for a long period of time that you just can't pull the plug on because one person got killed as bad as it was. And so I don't think he can just react, you know, knee-jerk reaction and say, okay, that's it, we're cutting off the relationship or whatever. I think that that has to be navigated very carefully and thoughtfully. What about this Honduras caravan? Following the directions of the chick in the harbor. Give us your tired, your poor. They're coming here. <laughs> that's what you do. Yeah, I mean, it's it's how it's always been in the country. I mean, yeah. 
That's what Ellis Island was for. He's going to send the military down to the border, not just the border patrol, but actually enlist the military to make sure they don't get in. Well, and he wants to take away benefits we provide to, we provide them with because they didn't stop their people from leaving. Yeah. I don't think we can tell other countries what to do with these people. I mean, that's not for us to tell them how to handle these people. I feel like we have more resources than a lot of maybe some other countries that they went through. I just think Trump is not making himself look very good in this situation. He just keeps making assumptions as to what's happening and he will say one thing and then retract it. So he's just kind of making himself look pretty foolish in the way that this is being handled. People walking up from Southern America or South America up here to Mexico, the Mexican border with the United States. Who claim that they're fleeing from a violent country, yet they're touting the Honduran flag on their way up here. If I'm fleeing from a country that I'm terrified of, I'm not going to be sporting their colors as I flee from them. Well, you talked about sealing the borders. Mm -hmm. He's he's kind of dumping the the responsibility in Mexico right now to um, kind of tell them to fix it. And then if that doesn't happen, then he's going to, not the National Guard, but he's going to bring in the military. I think they've left us no choice. Uh, the people that are coming here and whoever orchestrated yeah. the entire thing. I'm all for somebody coming here. But you got to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, all I'm kind of a rule follower. And yeah. if you're going to follow the rules, then that's fine. But don't, don't just jump the fence or, you know, swim, swim the swim the river. Just do it the right way. And and that's what I like about Trump. He, he, he questions what's going on. And yeah, some of his wording isn't the best. And he's not the most polite person. Um, probably stuff with the immigration. Yeah, the wall's not up yet. But yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I think he's, he's trying to not allow illegal um, immigrants into the country, which has never been allowed. So I don't really understand what the big deal is actually every country no country allows people to come in illegally so meanwhile the debate over brett kavanaugh's confirmation to the supreme court showed no sign of subsiding what i take away from that is that yeah he got confirmed anyway i mean trump's first guy made it through without any of this big hullabaloo i mean we may not have wanted him but he got in there there's something about this kavanaugh guy that just wasn't right so many people were against him he's saying oh yeah they're you know, this this isn't all true, but just the the women that aren't believed. And just... I don't know that it was that she wasn't believed. I think it was that they, they didn't care. care. Do you think that if a woman comes forward, that she had a right to be believed? Of course. Yeah, and sure. how do you balance that against his rights of being innocent until proven mm-hmm. guilty? Exactly. An investigation. Exactly. And that's completely separate from being on the Supreme Court. That's justice system... That's a criminal trial versus, hey, do we think this is a moral upstanding guy who can make nonpartisan decisions? That's not the same thing. Right. Yeah. Well, even if it's like, hey, you know what? We don't have all the answers. Let's sit tight for a little while. Get this sorted out. We'll do some investigation and we'll get back to you. You know, instead it's like, you might have a drinking problem and have assaulted (laughs) at least one woman. Let's take a vote now. You're in. Yeah. You're our kind of guy. Mm-hmm. It boils down. It was politics at its at its worst. Yeah, they want drama. I mean, you know, I mean, the Democrats, they were going to do anything 
you know, to stop the nominee. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and the Republicans, you know, I think they did it justice by letting, you know, the gal testify. But I think it was politics at its worst. It was really disappointing to see that the men and women that are responsible for creating our laws and protecting our laws had absolutely no consideration whatsoever for the law. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it was perfectly fine to bring up anything that you wanted that would smear mud on somebody without mm -hmm. having anything, any evidence whatsoever to back it up. That's it was it was a farce. Yeah. If there's no evidence to corroborate her story to back it up, if you can't take it into a court of law, it didn't happen. Because otherwise we have a society where we can say anything that we want about anyone and people will have to pay attention to it. No, you have to actually have something that backs it up. I uh, really felt for her. Right. I can't remember her name, but um, you know, watching it, I was just glued to the TV and it was like I could feel her hurt and I could, you know, totally believed everything she was saying. But at the same time, um, you know, there was a lack, you know, there was no evidence, there was no proof and you, that's our, you know, that's our system. I thought it was interesting even went as far as it did to tell you the truth with such a lack of proof. I don't know how it ever got to that point. I, I felt horrible for her. We we know we could feel her pain, but you know, to have his career tainted and ruined over something that had no evidence or no there was no witnesses that would stand by her, there was no proof. And so I think Trump stood by him. And do you think that was the right thing to do though in the end? Yes. Okay. I do too. I do not think he should have been confirmed. His behavior during the confirmation, the, the clips that I was able to see and read about, I don't think his behavior was conducive to the job he was applying for. And I just don't think that if he's going to be in the Supreme Court making judgments on other people, that I don't think his behavior was right during his confirmation hearing. You're innocent until proven guilty exactly. in this country. Right so there. yes, he should have been confirmed. Right. And I don't know how I would react if someone came at me from 36 years ago and said, you did this. doesn't matter that you're a, a federal court judge right now. This happened 36 years ago, but I have no witnesses. I have nothing. Yeah, I don't know that I could hold my cool under that. Our group who voted for Donald Trump in 2016, having supported Barack Obama four years earlier, had a notably more mixed view of the president than the Trump voters we'd heard from more generally. I don't see that because I see him, you know, trying to build a bridge and with, you know, North Korea. And I see him trying to protect the relationship we have with Saudi Arabia. I see him trying to be respectful and, you know, at least decent with uh, Russia. Uh, I see him trying to build relationships with China. I see him trying to really do things that improves the relationships that the United States has with other countries around the world, but in a manner that doesn't get them to push us around, that actually allows us to still protect our interests back here at home and lets them know that we are a sovereign nation. How do you build bridges and pick on Canada? You know, I, I, for decades now, have watched as we have had the same exact debates over and over again, and the same solutions are brought up over and over again. And so to me, I, I feel like we need some different people in office, in leadership in this country. I feel like the, the old guard has had its chance and has failed to really deliver on anything. And I was willing to throw anybody in there that, that you know, felt like, uh, you know, just wouldn't just follow the same pattern as everybody else has. I think he is trying to change a lot of things with the wall, 
largest tax cut in how many decades. Uh, he's trying to really do some things with our relationship with China. He's trying to change things with North Korea. Um, I think he's trying to change things with uh, just how politics themselves are, are, are done. And the thing that I like the most that he's done, I don't agree with everything he's done, and I don't necessarily like him as a person. But what I do appreciate is that he has called out a lot of the things that have bothered me for a long time. Mm -hmm. And he's being honest about it, at least. I don't feel like anymore we have somebody that's on a daily basis trying to become homecoming king. Exactly. I don't care if I, <laughs> if I, if somebody that's, you know, like the CEO of the company I work for, I don't care if you're the nicest guy in the world. I care that we're going to be successful and I'm going to have a job from day to day. We need somebody that's going to be wise in that aspect, not somebody who's going to try to win everybody over. And I, I guess that's a relief for me. I think probably the thing that bothers me the most is I think what he is creating with his tweets, not his politics, but with his some of his speeches and some of his tweets, I think he is creating division in our country, unfortunately. And I don't know if it's um, his way to call, I, I don't know if he wants to do that intentionally, because if there's an uproar going on, then he can just quietly get some things done in politics. I don't like the drama. I don't like the drama, you know, when you see thousands of people marching and rioting and picketing and destructing um, property, that really bothers me. I think a lot of what he tweets and his speeches and stuff, I think that rouse up the other side, so to speak, and that's when it happens. Are you getting the change that you felt you voted for? I don't, think, not? I don't think I'm getting the change. I think there's been change, but... Seems like the country is more divided than it was. I was hoping um, for unification, you know, that both sides could work work together. But it seems it's even further apart, you know, of the Democrat and the Republican side. Because there's some things he does that are good, but he opens his mouth and then it goes down. But, uh, <laughs> but also I see, um, you know, as a... I guess as an average American, what I consider myself as, you know, I'm not seeing the help of the gas pump. I'm seeing gas prices rising. I'm continually seeing him to kind of isolate us more from the world. I know we're making America great, but at some point you have to um, rely on outside trade and things like that. Um, you know, I guess, you know, his tariffs and things like that, it just seems like we're getting more and more isolated from okay. everybody else. Um, one other example of what I really do like about Trump is Obama was mocking him, you know, when he was talking about bringing all these jobs back. And Obama was mocking him, well, what's he going to do? How are you going to do that? You know, these things take years. And then he just goes and picks up the phone and calls Carrier, you know, mm -hmm. and works out a deal with him, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, in an afternoon. And to me, maker. that's right. To me, that was, that's a really clear example of the kind of difference that I think he makes. Our group of Republican-leaning women who had voted for Trump only reluctantly, if at all, were also divided, especially over whether his character and behavior could be separated from his policies and actions. No, I wish he'd keep his mouth shut sometimes, but I, but I feel like business-wise and, and looking out for our country, I feel like he's looking out for our country. In general, I think that he's done a fair job and things have turned around in this country in a lot of ways, but it's the way he presents himself. I also like the newly 
um, agreed to for, it's not going to be NAFTA anymore. It's going to be USMC, I think, agreement, yeah. accord, USMCA. And I think he'll eventually, with China, um, I believe he does a fabulous job in negotiations. And I think that the whole China tariff thing and the back and forth will come They'll come over to his position. They already have in a lot of ways. If you read a lot of the financial business news, the analysts are saying that they've already shown signs of appeasing and moving towards Trump's demands for trading fairly with us. I think it's hard to weed through to actually see the things that are happening, the the big things, because so many people focus on the pebbles that it's really hard to see the big rocks. That you know the big rocks are downplayed. It. I find it annoying to listen to him because it just feels like he goes on and on and on. But has he accomplished some things? Yes, I think he has. But it's kind of like an annoying child that you just want to say, "Okay, stop talking now. You've done this, so just stop talking." And and I think he has accomplished some things. He's 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 talked about the borders. Uh, you know, he has hit some high points. But it's, he's just annoying. I think it's been a good lesson for everybody to learn. You know, he's been a good role, like model to see. Like maybe other um, political candidates can see the around the bad and see the good that he's done, where he's not playing into all the different um, special interest groups. Right. You know, that's how he's getting the stuff done, is he's not playing the typical political game that, most everybody else has been and I think that's what's refreshing about him and that's how he's able to get stuff done that you can get stuff done without doing favors for everybody else and like just passing the buck here and there and so maybe other political people will see that so that's my hope. What do you think about the way that uh, Trump treats Melania? He just seems indifferent towards her. You, you don't see any love or relationship between the two of them. I think it's mutual. For sure. She's yeah. happy to travel without him. And tell me what you think about how the way Trump talks about women in general. I think it's completely inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Hard to listen to and then be a voter. And, and how does that affect you? I have lots of discussions with my young adult children that's not appropriate just because he does it that I never want to hear something like that or have them treat other people like that I mean people can joke with their friends or guys can joke with their friends but he's the president he shouldn't be speaking like that even if I I don't take offense to a lot of things Mm -hmm. I think People take offense to everything nowadays and Mm -hmm. we're too sensitive way too sensitive he needs to be more. And how does that affect your decisions about him? Do you uh, separate that from the policy things that he does? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It kind of and you find that uh, difficult, easy? If he went too far, could that change how you feel about things? I find it difficult because I find him pretty repulsive in many ways, but at the same time, I appreciate the job he's doing, so I'm really torn down the middle because of his attitude and his mouth. It's kind of like that relative that comes over at Christmas time and has too many drinks and is all over you, and you're like, 
I'll just put up with you because you're my husband's brother. But that's what I would compare it to. It's kind of like, okay, I'm going to grit my teeth and get through this holiday. It's mm. a good analogy. Tell me one thing that you will give Trump credit for. An original hairstyle. When it came to the midterm elections, Donald Trump seemed to be more of a factor in people's votes if they strongly supported or opposed him. Otherwise, people said they would pay more attention to local candidates and their positions on policy issues. In terms of the House race, does Trump enter into your thinking there? Well, for, for, for me, it's not as much as if he backs a local candidate as much as is that candidate aligned with what the agenda yeah. is. Mm -hmm. um, that to me is important. The same thing for the governor. I want a governor that can work with the federal government and develop a relationship with them. If you know, they're at complete opposite ends of the spectrum, nothing's going to get done. Is it your impression though, that, that Blum is aligned with what Trump wants to achieve or not? I think he's aligned with um, Trump. Does that count for something? Yeah. Certainly more than if a Democrat were there. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think it's more about, does he care about who he represents? And what do you think would happen if if the Democrats took back control of the House of Representatives? Nothing would get done. Mm -hmm. Their first else. priority would be to remove Kavanaugh and get rid of Trump. So mm -hmm. we'd be at a stalemate for mm -hmm. two more years, getting nothing, getting nowhere. Paying for people to do nothing. Exactly. Right? <laughs> but fight and bicker. I'm satisfied with Amy Klobuchar right now. So that's why I'm not sure if removing her at this point is a good thing or not. I usually don't vote Democrat, but mm -hmm. I think she's done an okay job. Yeah. I did uh, too. She represents our state very well, yeah. I think. Until the Kavanaugh hearing. I mean, and she's a former prosecutor. And for her to say those questions to him and believe Dr. Ford with not a shred of evidence, I thought, how can you stand there with a straight face? and say that you believe this woman when there's not a shred of evidence as a former prosecutor for Hennepin County. Right. So up until this election, I have always voted for her. She will not get my vote this year for that reason. About not really a factor. I'm just going to vote for, I'm going to take a look at the candidates and decide who I'm going to vote for. I, I, because Trump is already president, so I'm not really even thinking about him. Yeah, I'm the same. I'll just go by whoever it is. And is the fact that it's kind of quite a competitive race in this district and therefore could have some bearing on who ends up controlling the House of Representatives nationally, does that kind of sway how you might vote or not? It I makes mean, me want to tell all my friends to I mean, vote it, too. It excites you too, <laughs> yeah. presumably. Um, does it make you more kind of wary about potentially handing the well, Democrats? It's It's like... It's like when I couldn't vote for Trump. It's the same thing. If I if I take a look at Jason Lewis and I don't like him enough, I'm not going to vote for him. Okay. I just I just can't. So. Fair enough. Yeah, that wouldn't uh, matter to me. Everyone I know, it's uh, right now. We feel so powerless, and honestly, we don't feel like our vote matters. Why? And that's where I feel like I don't know how big the blue wave is going to be because yeah. I think a lot of people at this point just they don't think it matters because you know what? Like it really. Did it? It didn't. Hillary won the popular vote. Some of our Democrats evidently yearn for their party to adopt more left-leaning positions and candidates. The response from Republicans who might be open to an alternative to President Trump illustrated the potential problem with this approach. Republicans, meanwhile, thought a successful primary challenge to the president was extremely unlikely. 
however desirable some considered it. I think the Democrats are far too moderate, at least for I know a lot of younger, a lot of the younger crowd, the Democrats feel like the middle ground now, and... Oh, that's, a, that's a bad thing for you, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Cory Booker. <laughs> I love him. Someone who seems more stable than Bernie Sanders, who has more name recognition, but isn't like crazy out there so people are like oh that's a wacky liberal there i'd love to see elizabeth yeah. warren but yeah. I, i'd rather have her oh. in the senate honestly but she all the she's more powerful in the senate polls mm. the last time that saw that trump could defeat hillary had bernie beating trump so okay. i'd heard biden might be <laughs> is biden too centrist for your taste he's awesome. too establishment yeah yeah Absolutely. it's poll one of those things it's better than nothing ed but, but hopefully nothing want isn't change, the other and, like, Biden isn't necessarily <laughs> change. I think a centrist candidate, I think, would just be considered, just as you said, at least in the establishment, and it just it wouldn't draw out the voters. It used to be the kind of socialism was a dirty word in the American political lexicon. Is that is that less true now? I think it's still a dirty word with a lot of people. With the younger people, it's not. Yeah. Right. I think Obama brought that term around a lot more, at least. Needs to. And the thing is, you know, I think people need to see more examples of the fact there's a lot of examples of mm -hmm. socialism. You know, anything from your, you know, anything public. The highway system. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, Throw it's, a dart at a lot of other countries that, that are doing well. don't realize that's, that they're actually participating. Who should the Democrats put up if they want to make sure that they beat Donald Trump in 2020. You know who I think would be amazing, but I think it's a long shot because she's, is Amy Klobuchar. Oh, yeah. She is a fighter. Yeah, and she's good. And she is, I would be all behind her. I've heard some hubbub about that. Oh, I would love to see yeah, her. I really like her a lot. Actually. She is a hardworking, mm -hmm. honest. Yeah. Family oriented. And lots and, of integrity. Yeah. yeah. I really like her. Who could the Democrats put up in 2020? That Amy, would... Amy Klobuchar. Michelle Obama. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Oprah Winfrey. Joe Biden no. against Donald Trump. Who do you vote Trump. for? Trump. Trump. Elizabeth Warren versus Donald oh, Trump. No. Trump. No, 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 no. Yeah, Elizabeth Warren, no way. Um, Cory Booker versus Donald Trump. So who is who is the Democrat that I put against Donald Trump where you go, hmm, not necessarily Donald Trump? What about Michael Bloomberg? Well, that's interesting. <laughs> and I would I would check that out. I don't really know that much about him, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would check that out. That's a that was a good one. That's why I entered the room. Well, I mean I mean you guys caucused for Rubio um in twenty sixteen. Do you see a viable Republican challenge to Trump? Anybody? It doesn't happen in this country. I think they've kind of fallen in support of him. Mm -hmm. It appears that way. Are, are you pleased about that, or is that? I am. You? I am because I think with all the division we've got, we need to find our allies wherever we can find them. Look, I would have much rather had a Just really. You know, uh, uh, yeah. you know, somebody with a lot of character, a good Christian, you know, somebody like Mike Pence or uh, somebody like that. I'd much rather have a polished, you know, president. Yeah. Um, but I just, I have a lot of trouble uh, trusting folks that, that present that kind of image mm -hmm. uh, anymore. 
Yeah, I would like John McCain, but it's too late. Yeah. I mean, do you think he'll face a? Do you think he'll 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 face a challenge from within the Republican Party? Oh, oh I yeah. think they have to put somebody else yeah. forward. Yeah. But who would be the best person? To I, don't. I don't. On all sides, people regretted the growing tribalism and division of American politics, even though they realized they were part of it. The old days of you know campaigning to the base and then governing from the middle, and and yeah, it feels like we just missed that step. We're just still like governing from one side, and I, I, I fear of like this big pendulum swing of like mm -hmm. everyone's so polarized because people are are not likely to change. As far as I'm concerned, I'll never vote for a Democrat again. Mm -hmm. They have lost my faith. I'm to see how they have behaved through this whole thing respect. tells me where their values are at, what they think is important, what they really feel. They're more concerned about themselves than they are our country because uh, they're not doing anything to unify the country either. And I felt so let down by Obama. And when Hillary did the deplorables thing, showed me that she wasn't interested in understanding our perspective whatsoever. And so if I ever were to vote Democrat again, it would take somebody really, really special right down the middle. They wouldn't be leaning to the left. They'd be right down the middle. And it takes somebody that, that could actually convince me. It feels very political right now. Our Doesn't climate just feels like there's just been, it, we're a hotbed of, of politics. I think people hate each other more. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's more fighting, um, like sexist, uh, gay, lesbian, um, racist. I mean, there's just more segregation instead of more kindness and more coming together. I think it's gotten worse. Yeah, people are really, I feel like before there was more people kind of in the middle, and now it's like here, one end or the other, and the people have very strong opinions on both sides. And, and you know, I have to say too, I lean more conservative, but I hate the two-party system. I wish we could just get rid of it and vote for, look at the candidates based on what they want to do, their, you know, everything about them, and then decide on that. It has been another interesting week on the road with Ashcroft at America. We made it to Iowa, and we went through Wisconsin, and we finished up in Minnesota, and we're joined tonight by our friend Jeff Larson, who is a Wisconsinite who was the former chief of staff at the RNC. Jeff, thanks so much for joining Absolutely. us. Absolutely. It was, an, it was a, an interesting evening. So. What was your big takeaway from listening to these two groups in Minnesota? I think you know the the interesting point to me. I think was that you know these are these are savvy individuals in terms of national issues and what's going on in national politics, but there was you know there there wasn't as much awareness about what's happening in the state and what's happening you know as it relates to the congressional races that are coming up and um, and the candidates that they're looking at. And so it was interesting to me from that standpoint that um, you know that there was that disconnect. It felt like I was surprised by the Republican women that we, we heard from by the intensity of their anger, because that's anger that we've seen more so in Democrats. And as one woman put it, she may love his policies, but she really can't stand the behavior. And that seemed to be a very widespread sentiment at the table. Right. It was, but I think something that was also striking was that when we came on to talk about how they were gonna vote next month, they were still quite determined to separate Trump from how they were gonna vote for their congressman or, or senator. 
in a way that was not the case with the harder Trump supporters. The fact that it was going to be close and they might lose the House to the Democrats was a real motivating factor for them. But these people who are more sceptical about Trump seemed at the same time to be more prepared to separate him from their midterm vote. Yes, I think that's right. And, you know, it was also interesting. I felt like that they were these people were trying to separate his accomplishments and what Trump has done from his tweets and some from some of the other things that that, that have happened. And so, you know, and I think that for the most part, I think in their heads, they've gotten that they're getting around that. They think that that is, you know, that they can they can cut that, you know, that way because of the accomplishments, you know, that he that he has had. Whether that stays true for two more years, you know, we'll we'll have to see. But. I think in their, you know, they, they have come to peace with the fact that Trump is going to be Trump, you know, but we're okay with that as long as we can get things done. There's a growing sense that Democrats are being pushed to the left, that their grassroots supporters think that being moderate doesn't win a Democrat an election anymore. And that was what we saw in Iowa. And we observed among the independents tonight who or, you know, one woman who said that she used to consider herself pretty moderate, but now she's pretty much been radicalized. Kevin, what do you think about that? I think they still seem quite torn, actually. Last night in Iowa, they seemed, they, the ones we were speaking to did want somebody a bit more liberal and progressive. They weren't at all frightened of the word socialism. Um, but at the same time, somebody here tonight said, you do have to win over some of these independents. They know that they remember that there is actually going to be an election, then people are going to have to choose. And I think I think they're quite torn. And I, I think they find it hard to name a candidate. But often you don't really know the candidate of your dreams until he or she pops up in front of you. I mean, no one had thought of Donald Trump at this stage in the last electoral cycle, after all. Uh, Jeff, the, uh, the other night, uh, one of uh, the participants said it's no longer Republicans and Democrats that you're voting for. It's socialism or conservatism. What do you make of that? I'd be happy with that. <laughs> I'd actually be pretty happy with if that's what it came down to, because I think that this continues to be a center-right, you know, um, country. Uh, that that you know more voters, you know, are are more center-right than they are for for socialist um, ideas. But but I think when people get nervous and they get scared and they get you know that then that's when they start to you know they want to have you know I mean it, people are going to learn that free healthcare is not free. That um, free college tuition is not free. You know that uh, that somebody's going to have to pay for that, and um, and so I think it's it's easy to say you know we, we want to be a socialist and provide all these free things for people, and the and the rich are going to pay for it. But I think you know you've seen you've seen how that turns out when when we're going to build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it. So you know it, um, it it's you know it's going to be an interesting I think next next um, 25 months you know and, and how that all plays out. I think one of the bipartisan takeaways from the group so far is that even if you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, if you're an independent, you don't like the idea of Donald Trump being impeached because you're scared of Mike Pence. That's been pretty consistent across the board. Republicans want to keep Trump because they love Donald Trump, and Democrats and independents do not welcome the era of Mike Pence. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think that... Um you heard it tonight. I mean, you know, Pence is too conservative and, and, and some of these kinds of things. But um, and listen, I mean, you know, the point that was made is that it takes two thirds of the Senate to impeach Trump. You know, it, it's an it's a fruitless effort that's going to take place if they if they attempt to do this. And so 
um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not as worried that they're going to, you know, actually impeach Trump, um, you know, that um, that's not going to happen. It becomes rhetoric and, and, um, and, it, and it's something that both sides are going to use to, you know, to help drive out their base. I mean, and voters are far more realistic about how that just isn't going to happen. Whereas in the media, we often hear, you know, the breathless hot takes about how Donald Trump faces impeachment soon and it's near and imminent and voters have far more common sense. Right. And we did this mistake, you know, back when we attempted to impeach Clinton and, um, and you know, we learned from our lessons, you know, sometimes. And so I think that will be a lesson that, that, you know, Democrats will learn is that there's going to be bigger and better and bigger, bigger priorities for them to push than the impeachment, you know, of Donald Trump, I think, initially is as they if they do take control of, of the House. One of the things I've heard you say before, Jeff, is that the, one of the problems the Republicans have is how to get Trump voters out to vote when Trump isn't on the ballot. Do you think they found the answer to that question? Well, I think Trump is helping with that. I mean, I think that you've seen the rallies that Trump is doing. That you know, you see Trump saying that this is a vote for me is you know you know is a vote for your congressman is a vote for me. And so I think that I think the president is trying to do that. I think the party is trying to make that make make that point. And, um, and we'll find out, you know, on Election Day whether or not uh, that actually happens. You've actually seen a, a sea change in attitudes since 2016, where many of the Republican candidates did not want uh, Trump to appear for them. Uh, now they're lining up for Trump to come down and have a rally um, in, their, in their home state. Right. But talking um, on this trip, Jeff, uh, I shall be interviewing uh, Governor John Kasich in Columbus, Ohio, uh, what uh, are the issues or the questions that you would put to him? Uh, what's he going to do in 2020? <laughs> I don't. Um, you know, Governor Kasich is a, you know is an interesting guy. I mean, you know, he actually you know he more aligned more with I think a John McCain in terms of the types of voters that are attracted uh, to John you know to John Kasich and um, and so you know it, it is going to be you know how he can convince these rock solid Trump supporters. How not to vote for Donald Trump if if if, the, if he's going to run against him in a primary? And it may work in New Hampshire, um, you know, as as McCain saw some success there, but I don't see it happening in South Carolina, Nevada. I mean, any other you know these other states that um, where Trump will will you know will dominate. Um, I, I think you know if the if that was if that was being held today. So how how is he going to take these people who are you know 80 percent of the Republican base that you know 85 percent of the Republican base that continues to you know work hard for Donald Trump and convince them that, that you know, it's, it's no longer Trump. So, Jeff, if you had to call it today, is Minnesota per still purple or blue or red? How's it going? Well, I think I think it's going to be an inter a very interesting election. I think that, um, you know, you're seeing some of this, you know, play out. Um, in, in, and I was, in, again, I was surprised by these by these two groups of people of the lack of, of knowledge that they have about some of the candidates and some of the races and that they still have, a you know, clearly they still have a lot of their own research that they said they're going to do. And, um, and so I think that people haven't made up their minds, you know, what they're going to do. And, and, um, and we saw this happen, you know, four, four years ago is that um, everybody said Jeff Johnson couldn't beat Mark Dayton. You know, you know, four years ago, and, and he came, he came, you know, very close to, you know, to beating, you know, Dayton, and and um, and so we'll see if, you know, where the where he and Walls uh, stand out. We've got two, you know, a, a, a really, you know, I think a competitive Senate seat between Karen Housley and um, and Tina Smith. Uh, Tina didn't show up to a debate the other day, and, and she's taken a lot of a lot of grief for that. And so, um, and then you know, you've got four target congressional races that, uh, that you know. 
it may be, um, we may be left with one Republican, you know, member of Congress in, in, in Minnesota, and we may have five. I mean, so it, it, you know, it can go, it can go either way. There was a little sparkle uh, in the focus group tonight when asked about who the next Democratic candidate should be in 2020 when the name of Michael Bloomberg was mentioned. What do you make of that, Jeff? Well, I mean, they're, they're going to have a very interesting process on, on that side. And, um, you know, Bloomberg certainly will have, you know, the money that, that he would need. Um, you're seeing him play in races. You know, he's allegedly, you know, through different groups, is going to spend $80 million in the midterm elections um, trying to elect Democrats to take control of the House. That earns you a lot of, you know, a lot of support, um, you know, when, it, when it's all done and they do take control of the House. You know, it, it'll, it'll be an interesting process that they go through and, and um, and, and it, you know they're they're going to have a lot of candidates as we did in '16 um, that that will see how that how that works out. He's certainly going to be well financed. I think he spent 80 million dollars to get reelected as mayor. Well, thank you very much indeed, uh, Jeff, uh, joining Elise, Kevin, and myself uh, uh, tonight. It's always a pleasure to have you around. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And that's it for this edition of the Ashcroft in America podcast. Tweet us with your comments, questions, and thoughts using the hashtag Ashcroft in America, and you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. All our research is published at lordashcroftpolls.com, and you can keep up to date on our Facebook page. Meanwhile, we're off to California. Thanks for listening to Ashcroft in America, and we'll see you next time.